Good morning. Let's pray. God, even the people who are not giving you the, the talking to in a song, like Billy Joel, still is crying out for this thing called honesty. So would you help us, Lord, to, to uh, notch it up a little bit today and, and learn how to be truth tellers? And we pray this in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I got to tell you a little story, start off with a story. wouldn't be the same if I didn't start off with a story, would it? John invited his mother over for dinner. There's a setup right there. During the meal, his mother couldn't help but notice how beautiful John's roommate, Julie, was. She had long been suspicious of a relationship between John and his roommate, and this only made her really wonder. Over the course of the evening, while watching the two interact, she became all the more curious. Reading his mom's thoughts, John volunteered, I know what you must be thinking, Mom, but I assure you, Julie and I are just roommates. About a week later, Julie came to John and said, Ever since your mother came over for dinner, I can't find that beautiful silver gravy ladle. You don't suppose she took it, do you? John said, well, I doubt it, but I'll write her an email just to be sure. So John sat down and wrote, Dear Mom, I'm not saying you did take the gravy ladle from the, my house, and I'm not saying you did not take the gravy ladle, but the fact remains that one has been missing ever since you were over for dinner. Several days later, John received a reply back from his mother, which read, Dear Son, I'm not saying that you do sleep with Julie, and I'm not saying that you do not sleep with Julie. But the fact remains that if she were sleeping in her own bed, she would have found the gravy ladle by now. <laughs> Love, Mom. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I'm sure that's a true story. That has had to have happened a couple of times. <laughs> well, I have a question for you. <laughs> after you calm down. <laughs> Question, what do people have near the top of their wish list when it comes to relationships? Billy Joel needed most from people, honesty. Employees say that I just want to work for an honest person who treats me fairly and truthfully. Employers say I want honest employees. I want them doing and saying truthful things. Polls say that, that people wanting to get married, uh, they dream of having an honest wife or an honest husband that would be trustworthy in every way. Friends make life work best. This game of life, they make it work best when they make this early on commitment to never lie to each other. Here's another question. When did you begin to develop an intense dislike for deceitfulness? I bet we can remember a time when someone betrayed us or lied to us, and they did it in such a hurtful fashion that it just made us want to scream out, will somebody tell the truth? Can we stop all this lying stuff? Can we do it all differently? Well, you think you hate it. Wait till you, wait till you hear how God thinks about it. As far back as the Ten Commandments, number nine, God said, stop the lying. God knew way back then 
that marriages and families cannot develop. Friendships cannot be sustained. Business dealings fall apart. The church gets weak and ineffective without a radical commitment to speaking truth. Listen how subtly and diplomatically God's word starts off this thing. I'm in Proverbs chapter 6. A good-for-nothing scoundrel is a person who has a dishonest mouth. He's so politically correct sometimes, isn't he? In in, uh, verse 16, he says one of the seven things that he hates includes a lying tongue. And if you didn't get it in that verse down in 19, he includes it again, showing that two of the seven things he hates are lies. He's just getting warmed up here now. Just a few practice pitches going. He says in Proverbs 10, the mouths of those who do right produce wisdom. But tongues that speak twisted words will be cut out. Ouch, he's telling us how he really feels. He goes on to say that there's a devastating consequence of lying. And and that's what it does to other people. Kind words heal and help. But he says cutting words wound and maim. Many people are lamenting the fact that their game of life is just not working well. And I believe if we did some real deep digging, we'd find out that a lot of it can be traced back to the telling of lies, just not living truthfully. That's when we leave the point of truthfulness, and we may start off with a, just a little bit off course with mild forms of deceit. But then it moves into flat-out lying. That path will wreck your relationship with God and with everybody else. Lies come in different flavors. You have the little half-truths. You know, we'll do lunch sometime. I'll pay you back soon. Just the other day, I called Keith, and I said, Hey, Keith, you got a second? And I had to stop myself. Wait a minute. It's going to be longer than a second. You know how that goes. Then you have the exaggerating truth. You know, that's when we stretch a story. We put a spin on it to make it a little bigger than it really is or a little smaller than it really is. That's a form of lying. Then there's the industrial strength professional quality lying. That's the doozies. That's when we look somebody right in the eye and tell them a lie. Now, we may not be quite up there where we can look them in the eye, so we shift our eyes down to the floor so they can't see in there, thinking, well, we can hide this one because they're not looking into my eyes. Okay, one last question. Do you remember how it felt when you told your last lie? We learn over time that lying is a messy business. You know why? Because we are created in the image of a truth-telling God. At the very core of God is this, this quality that really makes him incapable of telling a lie. And because we're made in his image, it's always going to feel awkward and unnatural. The bells and whistles start to go off. The pit in our stomach starts to come up. Lying is always going to make it feel wrong because we were intended to live in the steps of Christ, who is a radical 
truth teller. He is the truth. Speaking truth will be a major contributor to making the game of life work. So let's look at some advice that the Bible gives us to help us speak truth. Now I'm going to have three little uh, phrases. They're very familiar, so I'm going to let you fill in the blank with how they are supposed to go, and then I'm going to change it, okay? So you know, when it, you know, talk is just words and stuff like that, so we say talk is cheap, right, wrong. Talk is expensive. It's expensive. We need to talk less. The Bible says the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. If you're wise, you'll keep quiet. In other words, the more talk, the less truth. Hmm. Let me illustrate this with a graph to show us the cost of talk. Let's say you have 300 conversations in a week. All right? Where are we? Go to the next one there. I need my clicker. There it is. There it is. Okay. 300 conversations in a week. And let's say that includes five lies, a 300 to 5 ratio, right? All right. Now drop the conversations down to 200 a week. Now you bring the lying down, the net lying, down to 3.3. All right. Now, this is silly, isn't it? You drop it down to 60. Now you're at one lie. Now, here's the beauty of this. That means if you want to have no lies, you do 59 or fewer conversations this week. All right? Pretty silly, but actually Proverbs is a very practical book. And in theory, this graph actually works. In theory. I mean, doesn't it make sense? If I talk less, I don't exaggerate as much. The less I talk, the less I make promises I don't keep. The less I talk, the less I say things I regret. Now, this doesn't mean we fall into some kind of craziness, you know, like being silent totally, become a monk. You know, know, the guy that became a monk, he went to this place, and the rule was you could only say two words at the end of every year. Two words. So he was there a year, and they brought him to the leadership and said, what are your two words? He goes, bad food. (laughs) Whole another year passed. They bring him into the room, and what's your two words this year? Hard bed. He goes one more year, and they bring him into the leadership and say, what are your two words? He goes, I quit. And they said, well, I'm not surprised you've been complaining ever since you got here. (laughs) So we don't have to go to some crazy kind of thing. Richard Foster wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. He talks about all the different spiritual disciplines. One of them is silence. And, And he wants to make sure people don't go off the deep end with this thing. So he says this, it's easier to be silent altogether than to speak with moderation. Hmm, That's because the more talk, the more sin. The fact still remains. Less talk is good advice. We don't have to participate in every conversation. We don't have to express every thought or every detail. So why don't we give that a try this week? 
Talk less. Hmm. Some spouses will appreciate that from the other spouse, right? See, I didn't say man or woman. All right, here's another phrase. You fill in the blank. The whole truth and blank, blank the truth. Nothing but the truth. Wrong. It's the whole truth and something with the truth. The Bible says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them upon your heart. Put on that necklace to remind you to be a radical truth teller no matter what. Now, by God's grace, we're probably mostly done with that industrial strength, professional quality line. But most of us need to grow in truth telling in the area of our ability to say those hard, truthful things. We need to say things to people who desperately need to hear them. It's most... It's, often easier to take the path of least resistance. You know, it's just easier. That's when I leave a little bit of the truth out, a small percentage of the truth. I leave it out so I won't make waves in the relationship. So I choose to be a peacekeeper instead of telling the truth. But the Bible says whoever rebukes a person, that's when rebuking is needed, of course, that's assumed, Whenever rebuking a person, it it will end in favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. Often we don't have any idea of how God might use our truthfulness to redirect a life. As I look over the course of my life, sometimes the entire direction I was taking was changed because somebody had the guts to speak the truth to me instead of just keeping the peace. I have two friends. One was a music minister. One was an associate pastor where I went to church. And I made a big boo-boo, big time. And they were friends of mine, and uh, they came to me individually. And uh, they didn't just say, oh, David, you know, it's all right. Everybody slips every now and then. They didn't say that. They were far from that. They said, David, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt other people. I am so glad they had the guts to tell me the truth. It redirected my life. Now remember, Proverbs 3.3 says truth and kindness. They go together. See, I listened to Guy and I listened to Farrell because I knew they loved me. It wasn't just some stranger coming up being self-righteous. It was two guys that loved me a lot. If you're going to put on that necklace, remember it's got two words. Truth and love. Truth and kindness and gentleness. Let's demonstrate that with another graph. Let's take the red zone. All right, let's say this is our truth zone. Now that by itself can be deadly. There's people who force the truth so much that there's dead bodies lying around afterwards. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the yellow zone or the love zone. This can gush love and grace without speaking any truth and leave a trail of gooey syrup with no power, no impact. Where we need to be 
is in this green zone, in the sweet spot where you have both of those things. The Bible tells us that love should always make us tell the truth. Then we grow in every way to be more like Christ. Christ is the truth. If we act like him, we'll grow to be like him if we tell the truth. And if that love is in us, Christ is also love. If if we have that in us, we're going to grow to be like him. You see, that combination of truth and love, that's what gives our communication real transforming power. Jesus had an unbelievable knack for being in the green zone. There's a story you've probably heard of it, lots of you have, the woman accused of adultery. Um, She was set up, okay, but she still broke the rules. She committed adultery. So there's all these guys standing around with rocks, and they were really trying to test Jesus. And Jesus knew that the penalty for this sin was being stoned to death. So they asked Jesus, what should we do? And he said, well, the first one without sin, go ahead and cast that rock. So they dropped the rocks one by one. When they were gone, Jesus asked the woman, so where are your accusers? She said, they're not here. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Now that's the yellow zone. But he didn't stay there. He added the truth too, which kept him in the green zone. And he said, Go and don't do that anymore. I'm not going to condemn you. And he could. He could have, but he didn't. At the same time, he said, don't do that anymore. That's Jesus Christ. That's who we're supposed to emulate. So be committed in every situation you're in to say truthful things, but do it in a spirit of grace. All right, here's the, the other phrase. When we don't want to do something, when we don't want to be in a certain situation, we say, blank, go there. Don't go there. You know what I'm going to say. Do go there, yes, yes. And this is when it comes to admitting mistakes. Oh, we don't want to go there, right? But I'm saying go there because the Bible tells us that we will not succeed in the game of life If we try to hide our sins, confess them and give them up, then God will show mercy to you. That's clear advice for life. Clear advice. Life just doesn't work if we do anything less. And we have to admit these mistakes, these faults, these sins, whatever they are. We have to admit them to three people. One, to ourselves. We have to admit this to ourselves. God already says that all of us have fallen short. We've all messed up. And the Bible says in 1 John, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth isn't in us. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Pride leads to destruction. Humility leads to honor. We've got to go ahead and admit it to ourselves. We also have to admit our mistakes to God. I mean, that makes sense. Like he doesn't know. (laughs) Go back to 1 John. If we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just 
and he will forgive our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. If he knows anyway, and if he's the only one that can purify us, really purify us from the inside out, why would we run away from him? Why wouldn't we admit it to him? He's the only one that can help us, really. So get brutally honest with God. Remember this. You're not going to intimidate him with your sin or with your questions or pushbacks either. You're not going to intimidate him. So get honest with him. The third person we need to admit this to is others, other people. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, um, the Catholics take a lot of heat for confession. You know, there's, there's a lot of Catholics in here. Some of you would call yourself ex-Catholics. <laughs> you know, they, they started this confession thing. And we give them a hard time. Oh, you got to go to the priest. I don't want to do that. You know, that's not a bad idea. When they started that idea, they kind of ran off with it a little bit. I'll admit that. But good idea to start with. It's right here in the Bible. Confess your sins. Now, you don't have to do it to a priest. You can do it to somebody else, but confess your sins. Look, when we lie or exaggerate, get a little careless with our commitments, the moment we realize that's happening, we need to go to the person most affected or most involved and admit our wrongdoing and ask them humbly to forgive. Humbly ask. Sometimes that's tough. Sometimes we may need help. You may need to go to somebody and ask them to pray for you so you can go talk to the person you're supposed to talk to. Other times, it's not necessarily that you've offended anybody. It may be you just need to share your struggle with somebody else. But be honest. Admit stuff going on in your life. So what about this truth-telling stuff? Wouldn't it be great if... The people of Cornerstone said, you know what? Deal. I'm in. I'm going to go for this thing. I'm going to try. Imagine what your family would be like. Imagine what your work or school environment would be like. Imagine what the spirit of this church would be like. What a life-giving atmosphere that would be. Now, you're probably thinking I'm raising the bar a little bit too high. <laughs> but I really believe it could happen. I believe it starts with me. It starts with you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can move in that direction of radical truth-telling. So let's review what that means. Talk is expensive, so talk less. And speak the whole truth and something with that truth. Love. If you're angry and you want to spew truth, stop. Say a prayer. Get some help. Speak the truth in love. And go there. Admit mistakes to yourself, to God, and other people. Our application 
is a very simple thing Jesus said. He said, let what you say be simply yes or no. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Let it be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Mm. Well, he has a way with words too, doesn't he? The life application notes talk about this verse and it says, truthfulness seems so rare that we feel we must end our statements with I promise, I swear, or some kind of an oath like that. If we tell the truth all the time, we will have less pressure to back up our words with an oath or a promise. You know how they are. Now, let me be honest with you. Well, what have you been in the past? You know? So, let's all stand up together. Stand together. And um, I want to ask you to bow your heads. And bow your heads right now. And I want you to reflect here for a minute. Let me ask you a couple of questions. <clears throat> How many of you could truthfully say in your heart, I needed to hear this advice from God's word today. I needed to be reminded that my relationship with God and others and my life in general won't work without being truthful. Would any of you say, yes, God, I need to talk a little less. I need to carefully monitor my words before they come out of my mouth. I need to be in that green zone of truth and love. I'm willing to go to someone when I mess up and admit my mistake and ask for their forgiveness. Those of you who can say yes to any of this, and I hope it would be everybody, just pray with me. Father, you know all my lies and my exaggerations, my half-truths, my broken promises. And you saw each one of those things as they transpired. Even though you see them, Lord, I'm still convinced that you love me and I want to thank you for that. That's awesome, God, that you would love me in spite of my self. Will you help me to be a radical truth teller? Will you take me through life with that conviction and with thankfulness and with faith I'll accept your help in this matter. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.